0: This episode of Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, is brought to you by Cinch by Amerigas. Check them out at cinch.com, C-Y-N-C-H.com. They'll deliver a full propane tank to your home for just $10 using our promo code ITSLIT5. That's I-T-S-L-I-T and the number 5. Just ten dollars. They'll take away your old propane tank. They'll replace it with a new full propane tank for just ten dollars using the promo code. It's lit five. And by DraftKings Sportsbook, sign up today using the promo code Crossing Broad, all one word. Take a look at their excellent promos, their excellent deals, and what sports returning now is the best time ever to sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook. And now let's get on with the show.
1: Hi, my name is Alevin Young, coach of the Flyers.
0: Hey, I'm Travis Connectney. Hi, I'm Paul
2: Holgren. Hi, I'm Matt Neskenev. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Faraby. Hi, it's Derek Ramp. Hi,
1: this is Bob Clark. Hi, and you're here. listening to you. Snow, the Snow the Goalie.
2: Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie.
0: Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie.
1: Snow the Goalie.
0: Oh, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, your team, your town, the Orange and Black, Philadelphia Flyers. Bingo! Bango! Bongo! They have toppled. The 100-point, the President's Trophy winners. The, the, oh, I don't know, is Mr. Cassidy going to win the Jack Adams? It doesn't matter, because the real, the real Jack Adams winner in our hearts, our minds, and hopefully pretty soon, Elaine Vigneault took his team, led by, hopefully, sulky winner, Sean Couturier. They went into Toronto. Carter Hart made Toronto home. We'll get to that in a second. And all of a sudden, the Flyers are in the driver's seat to take the top seed in the Eastern Conference. Welcome to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's podcast, Players podcast, Prognosticators podcast, the Pronger cast, the Knubel cast, the Poulin cast, the Prop cast, the Patrick Sharp cast, the PDLite podcast, the Papers podcast, the Only Flyers podcast, Anthony Sanfilippo. You can find him on Twitter, at AntSanPhilly, is here. And he actually looks a little bit more excited than he did uh, after the exhibition went over the Penguins. Anthony, have at it.
2: Yeah, this is uh, this is good. And this is what I was saying last week, Russ. Like, I couldn't get excited about an exhibition game. It really didn't matter. It was, yes, it was the first time we had hockey in four months, but in, in reality, it was an exhibition game. But what happened Sunday, what the Flyers did Sunday against Boston, is something that fans absolutely 100% should be excited about. Because it, it, while I will sit here and I, I could sit here and tell you that, oh, you know, these. Three uh, round robin games really don't have that much meaning because what your seed is, really, you don't know who your opponent's going to be, whether you're one, two, three, or four. So it doesn't like you could be the one seed and end up playing a team that's better than you think, like a Columbus who obliterated Tampa, uh, uh, Toronto last night. Um, so you could do, that could end up being the case, um, or you could be a you know, you could end up being the one seed and get Montreal if they upset. Um, uh, Pittsburgh like they did in the in the first game the other other night so like you don't know who you're going to get at one you don't know who you're gonna get at two who you're gonna get at three who you're gonna get at four so ultimately the games don't really matter but what matters is is the fact that the Flyers played and a fantastic game uh against the best team in hockey by by points now there's a, there are a couple of small little caveats Boston was without their starting goalie. Tuka Ras didn't play. Yarrow Halak did. Um, they were missing Nick Ritchie. They were missing Andre K- uh, Kasha, who were both second line guys for them. So there was so a little bit of their depth was missing. And Boston really looked not into the game and, until the very end when they were trying they pulled the goalie, right? And were trying to overcome a three goal deficit at that point. But that said, the Flyers kicked their ass. They really did. I mean, there's there's no two words about it. And and they did it in such a way that it's like, all right, you're gonna you're gonna throw Chara out against our top line. Okay, well we're gonna score two goals on the fourth line, or we're gonna have our young defensemen jump up in the play twice and 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 make plays and come down and set up or score a goal, and you're not gonna be able to stop us. And Scott Lawton, who is becoming a true second line player, moving out. We're watching before our eyes Scott Lawton go from being a bottom six forward to a top six forward, like. It D- doesn't matter. Like, you want to take away Drew's line? Go ahead. We got more. We got more where that's coming from. And I'm not sure that, that Boston can look at it and say, huh, we got
0: an answer for this. Because they may not. Well, they may it, not. I mean, it's worth pointing out that the the Flyers going into that game had won two of three against Boston this season. The only – and maybe this is the only thing that you find – Potentially concerning in a, a later matchup in the postseason is that the only game the Flyers lost now in, in four matchups against Boston is when Tuka Rask has been in net. I think it was a 36 save shutout that he had against the Flyers. But otherwise, um, Halak going into yesterday's game was averaging 3.23 goals against and I think an 8.97 save percentage against the Flyers. I mean, it's not bad. It's not it's not terrible by any stretch, but uh, there is definitely a, a feeling that the Flyers have Halak's number. This season compared to Rask. Now, the Scott Lawton part of this is something that I don't think can be understated. Scott Lawton is a guy who last year we talked about as being like, you know what, maybe this guy deserves more time higher up in the lineup. And a lot of people had kind of relegated him to being the 4C. And it was, you know, well, if Scott Lawton ends up moving up in your lineup, then doesn't that speak to just how bad the depth is elsewhere on your team? Or doesn't that speak to there being an inherent issue with the team because Scott Lawton should be nothing more than a fourth-line player? And you and I both said time and time again, if you give this guy the opportunity to live up to his draft billing and you give him the opportunity to move up and play with more skilled players, you might finally get to see that, that this guy can exceed your expectations. And we saw it plenty last year, and I think we've, you know, You know whether you want to say that he's a better fit as a bottom six center, or in this case as a second line wing. The fact remains that Scott Lawton is a very versatile player. He's a guy whose you know energy, his his engine, his motor; those things have never been questioned. Even in last year's hellaciously terrible season, Scott Lawton was, I think, maybe the guy with the best motor from the the first drop of the puck uh, in preseason to the end of a, a dismal season. You finally get to see what this guy looks like when he plays with top six talent. And all of a sudden, he's sniping. He's sniping glove side, top shelf. And it's a thing of beauty, an absolute thing of beauty, and something that I think a lot of the detractors um, throughout Lawton's career probably uh, you know, were ready to eat some crow if they haven't eaten it yet. It's been roasting in the oven on three fifty for about the last thirty five minutes. It might be about time to pull that bird out and start eating it
2: <laughs> yeah I, mean, look, I don't wanna I don't wanna you know over overstate this right because i mean this was a fantastic game. They really played uh played up uh to the the elite level that they could be i mean the the flyers were sensational and there's in my mind over two weekends of um uh or or two days of this weekend where there were hockey games played I thought that the team that played the best of any of those games of any of the 20 teams that played over this weekend was the Philadelphia Flyers And, and that's that's not you know I'm not just I'm not saying that you know that that because we cover the team right I'm saying that because they played the best hockey of any team that played this weekend you know, and I, people say, "Well, Columbus shut out Toronto in Toronto." Okay, it's fine, whatever. That's great. I, and I tell we've talked about Columbus being a dangerous team on this very on this very show. Um, and and uh, you know, so I mean, you, you can sit there and say, "Yeah, they had a great game." Okay, maybe they did. Minnesota had a great game as well, sure. But nobody did shut down a team the way the Flyers shut down Boston, who is the best team in hockey, right? Yeah, that's that's the difference. That's the difference. And so. You know, you don't want to stare and get too overconfident. I mean, the Flyers still have to play Washington and Tampa. I mean, they're going to play two more really good teams. But I like this. I like their matchup with Washington. I think that they're – I think they were a better team than the Capitals. And that goes back to, uh, you know, back to the, the real regular season. And then even if you lose to Tampa, if you go two and one, you're likely going to be the two seed, right? Not bad. Not bad. Likely going to be two. So um, they're, they're, in a, they're in a really good time. This was a big win in that regard for the team to really kind of have a lot of confidence moving forward.
0: Well, there's another side to this too, which is um, the Flyers have nothing to lose. This is a, a thing that Av had kind of spoken to without making it sound like they don't care about these games so much and that the players have kind of talked about. But the worst the Flyers could have done was the fourth seed. I mean they they could have tinkered with things as much as they wanted to. AV could roll out whatever rotations he wants and quite frankly the games, you know, they matter for finding your form but not so much in the results because you can't get any worse than where you started. And all of a sudden this is I think ratcheted up the pressure on Boston because Boston did not look good in their exhibition game. Boston was absolutely outplayed across the board by this Philadelphia team in the first game that actually matters and now all of a sudden you know, if you're the Flyers, not only have you taken the 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 top spot so far in this round robin, you've done it in convincing fashion. You've done it on a national stage, by the way. And young players like Carter Hart, Travis Sandheim, and Phil Myers walk out of that game probably feeling a, a bit of relief because there's nothing to to exactly match what a playoff game feels like and whether whether you want to consider the round robin games to be more of a playoff thing which is where the stats are ultimately going to count or more of a regular season thing because you're not in a series you you can do whatever you want with that but i think if nothing else carter hart establishing himself in this game wasn't tested all that much until honestly i think the last three and a half minutes when boston pulled halak out um and had a man advantage in the offensive zone that was the only real sustained pressure that that the team was able to generate over an extended period. And even then, it never really felt like they were all that dangerous, which is saying quite a lot. Um, and then you look at Travis Sanheim and you look at Phil Myers, and, you know, A.V. talked about this all year, but there there is going to come a point in time where that pairing is going to make a mistake. And the key here is knowing that they have the ability to rebound and to be absolutely dynamic. And you wrote in the piece over on Crossing Broad about you know defensive pair 1A we're not quite there yet in terms of consistency but what you saw in this game against Boston is a second pair that the ceiling for which could be a top pair in the National Hockey League and a dynamic duo that can also contribute in a meaningful way in the offensive zone they they played phenomenally
2: yeah they were and it's it's great because you know again i you know we, we talked about the exhibition game like you, you don't want to take anything out of that and they weren't very good against against Pittsburgh right they were just kind of mediocre at best I mean I think aV AV said they were average is what he said about yeah. the way they played against the Penguins. but there's no doubt the game yesterday that was the, that was their best game as a pair ever right I mean all season in my mind the way that they played it wasn't just at one end of the other the way they played in their own end too I mean Travis Sandheim in front of the net, block, down on his knees, blocking shots, right? Uh, Phil Myers getting physical with guys, uh, coming off the wall and skating out in front, like, you're not going to set up up here? No, ain't happening. Like, they had – it wasn't just the two plays that they made that led to goals. It was the way that they played their entire game. And they were – you know, they they played big minutes in that game. Big minutes. So, you know, do you need this to to – um, go on. Yeah. I mean, you can't, they can't, it can't just be a one one off and then they go back to being, you know, inconsistent here and there. So yeah, they need it to be better. Uh, or need it to be this way moving forward. But, um, I, I think that they will, I think that they, the one thing, I think that a lot of people are forgetting here, Russ, is that, you know, when, when, a lot of times when you go from one season and then you go – you have a summer and you have training camp, whatever, and you go into the next season and you see guys suddenly look different than they looked the year before, right? We're still kind of trying to equate this to what, where we left off in March. But the reality is is that this is not a lot different than having a summer off and then coming back fresh to start the new season and players looking a year different, right? Looking like they're ready to you know, take that next step. So for these two guys, for Sandheim and Myers, in a lot of ways, what you probably have here is a situation where that time off was maybe they needed a little bit of time. They had a good training camp. They, you know, are adjusting to things differently. And now they're ready to, even though it's still, quote, unquote, the same season, it, it, they're, they have already taken that progression that usually happens when you go from one season to the next. And that's great. And, and you've got to hope that
0: that's, uh, that's really the case for them moving forward in the rest of this playoff run. And I want to just kind of emphasize to people, you know, we we could get into the weeds on this game and we could dive a whole heck of a lot deeper into it, but we are planning on doing another show later this week uh, following the game against the Washington Capitals. Now that that time is still TBD on Thursday. Uh, We might do it as a live show, live streaming on uh, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube live. We might have to do it just after the fact. Um you know, later that evening. But either way, there will be another Snow the Goalie coming out later this week, and we'll, we'll, you know, react to that game. And maybe most notably, and you and I both agreed to this before, but in the event that the Flyers win that game and have the chance to take the top seed in the East uh, with a win on Saturday, we will actually load up the Press Row Show on Saturday in the event that that happens. So we'll have to see if it happens. But in the meantime, it's a, a very positive effort that we get to, you know, look forward to from this team they look like you know all the talk of is the momentum gone because of the pause these guys look like they picked right back up where they left off and that is certainly something that people should feel you know pretty solid about uh, going into Thursday's game against Washington um, we do have an interview here with Derek Settlemeyer, the the former equipment manager of the Flyers that we would like to also get to uh, Anthony other other thoughts
2: yeah one thing before we get to the Derek interview. Um, I know that we, uh, we tweeted out that, uh, about, uh, Michael Roffle who got hurt in the game. Um, and that, uh, you know, the injury is not going to be, um, as bad as originally feared. Um, that said he is uh, just to, just to clarify, he is still going to miss a little bit of time. Okay. Uh, Joel Farabee will be in the lineup on Thursday, uh, against Washington, but, but from what we have been told it's, this is not a playoff ending injury by any stretch of the imagination. Right. So, so, you know, that's the, that's the good news. Um, uh, there was,
0: there was a fear of a fracture. There was a fear of a, a potentially a broken bone in the leg that would have taken him out, a potential knee ligament issue.
2: Right. Right.
0: And those things have been more or less.
2: Yeah, no, it's so, yeah, I know AV came out, um, and and said that there's not anything I can say other than he's going to miss a little bit of time um which is fine I mean that's you know it's playoffs you're, you're not going to really get coaches telling you specifics about injuries unless it's somebody who's going to be unless somebody is done right if somebody's out for good then they might tell you but other than that they're not going to give you any any details we just happen um to have the ability to you know get get a message or two to us that uh, say that it's it's not as bad as originally thought
0: so so without further ado, we're going to move on to our interview that we did with former Flyers equipment manager Derek Settlemeyer. A lot of stuff to get into. We do want to note because you know the the nature of him leaving the organization back in January raised a lot of questions about what happened. And uh, you know the one thing that we can tell you is by virtue of the mutual parting of ways that the uh, the relationship between Settlemeyer and the Flyers went down. Um, historically, when there have been similar uh, parting of ways by mutual agreement—that typically means that there is a non-disparaging agreement of some sort in place. Uh, not saying that that's necessarily what's uh, the case here with Eric Settlemeyer, but historically that has been the case. As such, we did not get into the the nature or the rumors that had surrounded his departure from the organization, but uh, we got into a ton of really good stories about uh, his time around the team and uh, all kinds of stuff that you quite frankly just shouldn't miss
2: yeah and and just to add on to that russ i want to you know for all the people who are listening i want you guys to understand that when the when the time comes when we can talk about derek leaving the team that we will um it's just that we're you know we're respecting the the uh, the the need to keep it quiet for right now um but that there is, a, there will be a time when we can talk about it publicly. And for right now, we, there's nothing we're going to say. That's all. That's all. Yeah, I just want, so, just want. It's not that we're, not that we're not willing to report it. It's just that we're respecting the situation, and that's why we're not going to dive into it just yet.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget we have the Snow the goalie playoff giveaway, the um, playoff merchandise. Thanks to the Philadelphia Flyers, they wanted to note that. All of the items that we are um, doing as part of the giveaway are available at the team store. I believe they're doing like a, an outdoor um, drive up that you can go in and check out the pro shop and that's where they've got um, all the different kinds of like anytime, anywhere, there's the summer of grit, uh, summer hockey, like all of those shirts that we're doing as part of our giveaway uh, are available for purchase. But in fairness, do you really want to purchase or do you want to be part of the giveaway? And uh, the way that you can get in on this, and I kind of outlined this on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram, but uh, you follow Snow the Goalie on Twitter at Snow the Goalie, on Instagram at Snow the Goalie, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. If you're on Facebook, just share the post. If you're on, um, Sna- or if you're on um, Instagram or Twitter, just uh, either retweet it or share that post as well. And everybody who does that, we will put you into... Um, a pool of potential winners. We'll put it on like the the big random wheel and uh, we'll pick winners that way. Uh, we did note that you can get bonus entries. If you follow snow, the goalie on each of those platforms, obviously that would end up being three, uh, three different entries. in. if you follow Anthony on Twitter, you follow me on Twitter at aunt San Philly at Joanne broad. Those are two more potential bonus entries costs you nothing. It's just a few clicks of a button. So consider it. And we hope you enjoy the playoff merch. We're going to announce the winners of those prior uh, to the end of the round robin so that we can get them shipped out to you and you can wear it, uh, your shirt for the uh, knockout round. So uh, with that, it's time to get into the interview with former Flyers equipment manager, Derek Settelmeyer. Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now joined. By the longtime equipment manager from your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers, the Orange and Black, the team that's obviously going to win the Stanley Cup, none other than Derek Settelmeyer. Thank you for joining the show.
2: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, Derek, it's, it's such a it's such a treat to have you on. Um, you know, I got to have uh, known you forever. It feels like uh, yeah. <laughs> covering this team as long as I have working for the team working with you. Um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's just great to be able to get you on and, and, and talk about these guys, because you know, them so intimately, and you know, them so personally. And it's, you know, this, this playoff season now resuming and everybody being so excited about this team. I mean, you've got to be – I know you're not with the team anymore, but you've got to be really excited and really thrilled for these guys considering how close you are with each of them.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been fun to watch them and uh, how confident of a group they are and just how much fun they're having. And, and you know, even when I was still there, like, it was – you could see it. Everything was snowballing the right way, and, and uh, it's, actually, it's great to, great to see. That's for sure. What, what do you what do you
2: um, if you, when you look back over you know just getting knowing these guys as well as you do, and you look back over the last couple of seasons and as they were kind of slowly starting to come together a little bit, the young guys were starting to f- find their legs or whatever. Th- was there a sense in that locker room? You're in that locker room with those guys. Is there a, was there a sense that this is building, this is building? That when you came into the start of this season, that they really felt like, you know what, this could be a, a special year.
1: I, re- I really did and it's easy to say that now but I honestly did feel that way and, and I told everyone that you know I spoke to about the team you could you could just tell with a couple of the additions that were made and uh, you know AV coming in some some other guys it was it started right away at even development camp to be honest with you and then uh, rolled into camp and the preseason wasn't the greatest but it wasn't I don't think anyone kind of got down about it um, And then, as the season slowly started going, it like you can just feel it. Like you said, it being in the room, confident, not arrogant, but just a confidence. You know, getting down a goal, getting down two, it never seemed to rattle the, these, this group of guys. And and it was a lot of fun to be around, and it's fun to watch.
2: One of the things that we love to talk about on this program, and we try to be you know unique and different in this way is we really want to show share like the human side of these players. I mean, fans get to watch them and they cheer them and they boo them and they yell and they scream and whatever else. Um, and, and they run the, the gamut and emotions. But that's for what these guys are on the ice. But we don't really get to know them very well off the ice. And it's not like it was when we first were breaking into this industry, right, where, right. where we got to really know players. You know, it's we're as media now, we're kind of – cordoned off a little bit i mean there's there's an arm's length kind of approach with things now but you obviously know them intimately so i want to ask you about some personalities in that locker room like who first off the top, just off the top of your head who do you think people don't know that much about and 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 realize maybe doesn't doesn't get the, the the fair shake that they deserve because they have just they're just great people away from away from hockey
1: um one guy that comes to mind right away and he's not on the team this year is Andrew McDonald. (laughs) He was just an unbelievable guy. And the poor guy just got ripped uh, all the time, but he comes to mind first. But as far as this group, um, uh, guys that are pretty quiet, like Niskanen is a really quiet guy, but he's, he's a great guy. You know, he's even kind of quiet on the, on the, on the ice as far as he's not talking a lot, but, uh, he doesn't really have to with his play kind of shows his leadership abilities and he talks when he needs to, but uh, he's a guy that people probably don't know a lot about that is just a great guy. I mean, there's, there's not a bad guy on the team, to be honest with you. Can
0: right. you, can Go you ahead, give Ross. people a, a look into, you know, every every reporter's asked this a million times and honestly, to the, to the point of me wanting to barf, but uh, yeah. Kevin Hayes, what he brought to the locker room, you know, it, 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 it comes out and you see it in, in some of the viral clips that the team puts out. But from from your perspective, even looking back to last year's team, it felt like last year's locker room. We would go in even after wins, and it still seemed like it was a, a pretty miserable place to be. And then this year, even after losses, the team felt upbeat and like there was a confidence, and and there was a a little bit more of a of a loose feeling, at least from when we would go in. You were around the team a whole lot more. Is is a lot of that, Kevin Hayes?
1: You got to give a lot, of, a lot of credit to him for that. He, he kind of – when we lost uh, Scotty Hartnell, we kind of lost that person. Um, Jake Borachek's actually great in the room, and he's a really funny guy. You guys probably don't get to see it as much, but Hazy's on a different – you know, he brings it to a different level in a good way. Um, always uh, upbeat, obviously. I mean, it's hard to find that guy in a bad mood. But I would say I, – I would have to agree with you. He is, he's a big reason. It's, it's a lot, uh, like you said, looser. Um, He just, he just brings, he brings, he just makes everyone laugh. You know, it's, it's, uh, he's fun to be around. He's a great guy. One
2: guy that I think, Derek, that doesn't get the credit he deserves, as great a player as he is, but doesn't get the credit he deserves because he, he is the captain is Claude Giroux. And I think that a lot of times, you know, fans think of captain and they think it needs to be somebody who's, outspoken and brash and loud and everything. And that's not G. Uh, he's not that way at all. But he really is a, a great leader. Can you kind of maybe give a little, you know, behind the curtain yeah. why he's such a good leader for this G, team? G uh,
1: G. reminds me a lot of uh, Mike Richards that way. Um, he speaks when he really feels like he needs to speak. But he kind of leads the way on the ice, which, I mean, I, I honestly have known – G since he was 18 and every game I've ever seen him play I can't ever say he took a night off like that's the truth you know playing with injuries and people didn't know about you know um, just a lot of things but yeah when the doors are closed G says a lot more than people think and um, he's definitely the leader in that room and and everyone looks, up, looks to him and looks up to him um, you know he's not like you said he's not overly vocal because he doesn't feel like he needs to be um but when he needs to say something he definitely does um but he's I I think he's so underrated as a player I know he's been in all star games and everything but this guy is a a special special player really is
2: Uh, now I want to ask this because I know this was something that you used to love to do when you were there you guys were all about pranks in that locker room (laughs) Over the years. I, I, one of my all-time favorites was when you got Sal Raffa with that fake snake in the box. Yeah. <laughs> was, and then you guys continued go on the road, and you said yeah. guys popping out of places. Like It was just – you guys were just a blast to be around with stuff like that. Who on, on this team likes to likes to get involved with that stuff the most? Like, who really likes to be a, a prankster in that room?
1: Um, probably G. <laughs> Broad, he loves – like, he was the first – he was the first guy I got with that uh, Gatorade, uh, the snake, the cobra. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he was he was rattled at first. It scared him. And then he was embarrassed because we had it on video. But then he was like, all right, we got to get everyone, man. We got to get everybody. <laughs> so he would, you know, he would always be like in certain arenas. There's certain places you can get people like hide and stuff. And he would always be like, hey, we got to get this guy. We got to get this guy. So he's probably one of the, the guys. Jake Borcheck too. He likes that stuff.
0: All right, so um, let's let's take the names away from it to uh, maintain their integrity. What's right. the best rib that anybody's pulled? What's what what's the one that stands out? There has to be,
1: like on the ice.
0: Wherever Maybe. you want.
1: Uh you mean from the Flyers team inside? Like team yeah, cover? yeah, oh, man.
0: And You don't even have to say who. It Wait a is. Sec, So yeah. the way the way that you asked that though makes me sa- makes it sound like these guys pull pranks on the other. T- oh they, no! The- I, th- I okay. Thought you
1: meant, uh, okay. Um, I thought you meant like chirping. Oh uh, like, no no no! Like, a, mean, prank, like a, a prank, oh, a prank, a prank that yeah. A um, prank gosh, pulled
0: pulled by a flyer on another flyer.
1: Try, there was. It could was go back one, in
0: time, it doesn't have to be the current team. Yeah,
1: I, w- I was going to say. I remember the one day I I felt so bad. There was a player that was was on the trading blocks. <clears throat> the guys left a note at his seat to need to go upstairs and see Hexie. And I'm like, you can't do that, man. This guy's gonna have a heart attack. And this this guy was a little, he was he was always worried about something. And this sitting there, hey, come up, Hex, come upstairs. I'm like, you guys serious? And they're like, oh, we can't wait to see this. Comes in. Gloves down. I told you guys. Helmet slam out the room. <laughs> she ran and grabbed him and said, "Hey, hey, hey, come back!" he's going up in his gear. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Oh, that's you. fantastic! That's, that's fantastic. That was a few years ago. Yeah, that's
2: good stuff, though. That's good stuff, though. Um, did you ever have a, a favorite place to be on the road with the guys? Um, was there a spot that you guys really enjoyed going to?
1: You know what? Uh, New York's always fun. New York City. Obviously, there's a lot of places, L.A., Vancouver, a lot, of, a lot of different places. But I would say. We usually had time when we went to like Vancouver, so you kind of get a day off and enjoy yourself, some L.A., the same. So it's it's usually when we ha- you have a day to actually do something is when probably the most fun anyway, and get to do things as a team and staff and all that. What
2: was your what was your thought? I know we haven't done it really in a while, but I mean, back in the day, you guys used to go on like those team bonding trips to different places. Yeah. Um, what was that like for you? I mean, was that something that you enjoyed as well? I mean, I knew you had a lot to, you had to worry about because you basically yeah. were moving the entire team's operation to another city for a few days. But um, yeah. did
1: you enjoy that stuff too? I I enjoyed it. It, it did uh, pose some issues sometimes with like the gear, obviously. And uh, especially when you fly somewhere that's not used to having an NHL team, and they're like, "Oh, we got a pickup. We can pick." No, no, no. We need a truck. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> we need a big truck. You're not going to get anything in a pickup in about five bags, <laughs> you know. But uh, and moving, you know, finding enough room. Usually when we go to places, but it was fun. I enjoyed it, um, because usually the when the guys are doing the bonding stuff, we were going to play golf or or just hanging out doing something. Obviously there were practices, but. Right. I always enjoyed that stuff. I thought it was great for the team and the staff. Um, Peter Lavelette used to his were always so much fun because he made sure everyone was there. everyone was, you know, felt part of everything. He did that all the time. It was it was great.
2: I'll tell you the one that I that sticks out to me, it was the most beautiful place I've ever been on Earth was when we went to Banff.
1: Yes, that was awesome.
2: Right? That was so like,
1: awesome,
2: yeah. I, I remember when you were going out there, I'm like, where the hell's Banff? I had no idea <laughs> what Banff was. And yeah. we got there, and it was like, this is maybe the most beautiful place I've ever been.
1: It, well, I had never been there uh, either, and it was. I had a blast there. I think that was – that year we started in Calgary, right? Our first was yep. in Calgary, Danny B. scored a couple yep. uh, to win the game there. I remember that. That was, yeah. that was a great trip.
0: That was so, That was something special. Uh, I want to ask you about the equipment side of things. Uh, we had Dave Poulin on the show. Uh, I got it, I guess it was two months ago during the pause. And he talked about just the meticulous nature that some guys have with their equipment with some guys wanting to have their blades as sharp as possible and and almost to an annoying sense where it's just, they're constantly working on it. Um, a, a player that stands out and one that I, I remember, um, always being worried about as a fan, which I don't think you should be worried about a fan and their equipment as much was Peter Forsberg. Uh, Can, can you give people an idea of what was going on with Peter Forsberg and him always talking about his boots?
1: Yeah, he was, uh, first of all, he's an unbelievable, great guy. Like he's awesome. Um, His feet, he start, he started before he came to the flyers I don't know why. I never really got a reason why, but he was wearing his skates too small and it gradually got worse. So his feet were like, literally like this. And I remember one day we had a gentleman come in to fit him. He was going to make him a custom pair of skates. And it wasn't from one of the big vendors like CCM or Bauer. It was a gentleman. I think he was out of, I think he was in Winnipeg and he was going to make Peter a pair of skates to fit. His ankle had He was a little, he wasn't swollen, but his ankle was a little funny on the one skate. So he was having issues there with the gel cap that sits on your ankles, you know, when you're wearing skates. But anyway, we took his insoles out and said, Fopa, put your feet on your insoles." So his feet hung over this much over his insoles. And I said, look at that. And he was like, oh wow. And so I said, now put your toe, he was standing up. I said, bring your toes in like, so they would fit. So, when he did that, it, it moved his knees into an awkward position, which makes your hips, your groins. And that, he was having issues with all that stuff stemming from his you know, foot. And I'm no doctor, but I mean, that as far as the skate goes, I, I can tell you that much. Um, that day, we actually bought him a pair of skates at the front desk, and he practiced in them. And the boys were like, Yes, we got a figure. You were unbelievable. I just didn't feel right. It did feel right. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're unbelievable this guy was just flying he could have skated into size six probably but right. um he he just he couldn't his feet just hurt him and he just was never comfortable and he he couldn't really it got so bad where he really couldn't wear a skate that fit him properly because he felt like he was sliding in it which he probably wasn't but you know he he's one of the greatest players ever if he's telling you he's not right you just you you take his word for it and he you know but it was, it was wild that was wild yeah it I remember, it all, I remember it always,
2: you guys were dealing with that a lot I mean it was like yeah. every day because we were asking questions every day about the skates and yeah. I could just see like you guys would be in there and we'd be asking Peter about it you guys would be just like oh my god roll your eyes yeah.
1: <laughs> it was it was crazy like how many <laughs> skates came in like literally I mean not every single day but at least four days a week we were getting a new pair of skates from the try, um just because you know we're just trying to find something you know, so we were having a tough year too. That was the year 40 of the Flyers, the 40th season, worst season in the <laughs> history as far as the record goes. Right. But, uh, and you know, it couldn't get him on the ice enough. And that was the, I, obviously that was the year he got traded as well to um, to Nashville.
0: Were there, so that was probably maybe the, the most ho- high profile, most notable. And Anthony said, you know, asking questions about it. Is there a guy over your tenure with the Flyers that, was in a similar position that just didn't get publicized as much somebody that had an equipment issue or something that they were super meticulous about
1: um there wasn't anyone with major issues like like fopa had like Peter had um there's been a lot of guys that are very particular um you know uh provi provi's a guy that's really he's he's changed uh skates sizing in his skates now he's finally comfortable finally got i think his skate was a little big and he went a little small but now he's back he's he's dead on right now uh with his skates but uh he, he's very meticulous with his and the steel like everything about him like they just have to be perfect for him which they should be you know for every guy um jbr is another guy that's pretty uh he has a lot of different things going on with his skates with lifts and um the fit and his steals really low, like Yaw, Yager used to have. He thinks he, the lower he is to the ice, the harder it is to knock off the, you know, the puck. But those two come to mind the most in the last few years. Uh, Pro and JVR, not in a bad well, way, just yeah, yeah. You know, you just have to, you know, you got to make sure they're feeling right.
2: I, and it's it's interesting because like you're managing all these guys and all of their little quirks and all of their little, right? You know, like yeah. m- being meticulous. Were, were there guys who really don't care? Are there guys on the other end of the spectrum who who are like, eh, skates or skates, <laughs> um, or no? Are they all? That yeah, way?
1: I mean, for the, I mean, they all want them to fit right, but there's some guys that just come in, you heat their skates up, and they don't say a word, you know. I and mean, then there's yeah. some guys, well, this didn't really feel right, but I could deal with it. We really like, no, we got to get it right, you know. But yeah, there aren't too many. Like I said, I, I was very lucky not to have anyone, and I say that like FOPO, like. I wish he would have stayed his whole career, even though he had those issues. But he was probably the the biggest issue that we ever had. Um, I've been lucky that way. Like Provi and V Pro-V and JVR aren't aren't issues. They just you need more work on their skates than anyone else. Right.
0: right when when we kind of analyze the game, Anthony and I kind of like to take the human element of this a lot, and I know that a lot of teams and organizations in different sports leagues, you know, they even prior to practice, they're trying to gauge the the mental standing of a guy, if anything's going on at home, to try to take all of that in so that you're not just judging the guy for what he's doing on the ice, but maybe if there are other circumstances. When we see a player who we expect greatness out of, like can you even go back to like Provi last year where, you know, he was kind of on an up and down roller coaster kind of thing. And, and maybe this doesn't speak specifically to him, but when a, when we expect so much of a certain player, have you found like historically there could be something going on with equipment that a guy's trying to work through, and and maybe that feeling out process kind of leads to the guy maybe overthinking it, and and that's why we see a little bit of a dip in play until they get it
1: regulated. Yeah, you're dead on. I mean, no one's ever looking for an excuse, obviously, or that I've ever had, but there are there have been times when a guy's struggling, and you know maybe they are overthinking it. Uh, I think the flex of my stick, maybe I got to do this. I got to change that or guys change companies. Uh, you know, JBR changed uh, his stick company and he'd use Bauer basically his whole career. Um, and he's a, he's very finicky with his sticks. Like he's had literally, I mean, a ton of patterns made. He usually sticks with the same one. Uh, he, we would always, the go-to is we always had 12 of those, but he was always tinkering around. Um, but yeah, like, there's been times where guys are, things aren't going right. Well, let's change this. Let's change that. Um, nothing crazy. Again, like I said, I, I was really lucky. I, I've been so fortunate not to have any head cases. You guys probably heard stories of Mark Messier, how uh, with his skates, and I've never, I saw that firsthand when I was, my first year in the league. Um, and thank goodness I never had to deal with anything like that because that was, that was crazy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you, you, mentioned something about the sticks and I wanted to ask you this. I, I, I think you're, there's something I don't, I think fans don't really know is that guys have, I don't know, a handful of sticks per game that they have ready and you got them off onto the side in the, in the, mm-hmm. in the rack, but they're numbered, right? There's a, there's a sequential order that you're going to go in in handing those sticks out to them. Like this is your number one stick. If this one breaks, we go to two. Oh and then yeah. You know sticks, what
1: I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody usually as the sticks are on the rack, it's the first one they put there. That'd be one. Then the next one would be two. Usually I've made, I always made guys at least have two. Right. Some guys would put one. I'd be like, I just go grab another one. Cause you know, it, I saw this year we're in many pro. We broke three sticks in one period in less than that. 10 minutes. Like, so I've given a guy a broken stick and the next shift they broke out. one. I'm like, Oh, there's, you know, there's no stick there, but you're, you're correct that there's, they always have their one that they want next. Um, so it's usually the one they finish last game with. That's usually right. how it works. But, um, yeah, that you're exactly right. How
2: often do what, they change them? If how often do they change them if they're not broken? Every game. Every game, even if they're not I mean, broken.
1: There's a couple. The only guy I did all his sticks. I would cut them, put a wood knob in them, shave them down. And uh, for Jake, he's the only guy that will use a stick till it breaks. It's unbelievable, and he's obviously an elite player in the league, and he's so easy now he takes up for that with the skates cuz he changes every week um basically like two, three times a month easily maybe four probably every week um but yeah like every guy usually cuts a new stick every game so uh like i said there's a couple guys that maybe don't but most do
0: from you know in in the role that you serve is there ever a time like you you're saying that that guys really tinker a lot is there ever a time that you just look at a guy and say, listen, it's not a good idea. I know that <laughs> yeah. you th- like, I know that you think that what you're doing is the right thing, but you're just going to, you're, you're going to compound the issue. Does that
1: happen I, much? I have a couple times. I've never done that to an older guy, but you sometimes when kids, like I say, kids, you know, like the younger players, I would maybe say that to them, you know, if they're just doing things that aren't making sense, And so now you're thinking you're, you're overthinking it. You're, instead of just playing you're thinking about your stick like you're thinking about this on your stick or or whatever um but yes i have done that before
0: is there like a number one thing that young guys like to try to tinker with that is like a a uniform thing like something about the stick or the skates that almost almost every guy feels like they need to change but really probably Um, don't
1: it's probably more with sticks if they do um like i say it's it depends on the person you you can get a kid that was really bad when they were in juniors but they get to the nhl and they're a young guy and they won't say anything you know they, they're afraid to ask and i'm i would always like it would be a month would go by they'd be like hey is there any way we, i'm down to 12 sticks can we change this And i'll be like yeah why don't you just tell me you know like well i'm a rookie i don't want to say anything i'm like look after the rookies just like we looked after g you know like that's right. that's the way it's got to be but um, mostly it would be sticks if anything not skates unless there was a serious issue you know with their skate
0: so you just talked about like young guys uh, you know being a little bit cautious have you ever had the flip side has there ever been a, a young guy or even a vet who by all accounts probably isn't the most talented guy come in and just start barking
1: out oh, orders we had a guy I'm not going to say his name because <laughs> I haven't seen him since he left here. And this was a while back. But we had this kid that was a goalie who came in. And he was signed as a free agent. And I think the Flyers, Dallas, another team was, like, trying to get him to sign. And he literally – Homer messaged me at night and said, this guy's – I'm going to bring him in. I'm picking him up at the airport tomorrow. We just got him signed today. I said, okay, cool. You know, I'll be there. I'll, I'll see you. And this was in, this was before camp. This is like in the summer. They brought him in, I guess, the sign everything, whatever, gave him a bonus. So this guy walks in. I've never met him. Right out of college. Like he's a college player. Comes in. Homer introduces me to him. Now he signed the night before. And he asks, he looks at me, he goes, are my pads here? I was like, what? Or what? And he was like, my pads. Vaughn, did they send them? And I was like, you just signed here yesterday, man. I was like, "Are you serious?" You might. like, I thought he was just being funny, you know. And he's like, I "Knew I should have signed with Dallas." So he says, he walks away. I look at <laughs> Homer. I'm like, "You hear this kid?" And he's like, "What did he just say? He should have signed with Dallas?" I said, "Yeah, because he wanted his pads. You signed him last night." And Homer starts laughing, shaking his head. Then this guy comes to camp. Obviously, I had his pads and everything he needed. He wanted to change, there was a place on his pads, and I'm not exaggerating, it was a triangle, smaller than this, on the one side. He wanted it black instead of orange. You couldn't even see it. Like, it was on the side. And he's like, send them back, not using them. And I said, what? I said, I'll paint it for you. I'm like, you're (laughs) using those pads, man. He was going in front of veterans to get massaged, standing there like, how much longer are you going to be, Brad? Brad turned around and was like, if you ever come up here with a guy, like this guy on the bench, on the table, like you're going to have to deal with me and then him. Like he was a vet, you know. Yeah. So I grabbed, at the time, Neil Little was our goalie scout. And I pulled Litz in and I said, hey, you better talk to this guy like now because he's <laughs> someone's going to drop him. And I mean staff. I don't mean a player. And uh, Litz grabbed him and said, hey, the equipment guy's are your best friend. You better make sure they're your best friend or they'll make your life hell. And he was, he was good after that, but <laughs> this kid was off the charts. Like he thought, I mean, I thought I was looking at Bernie Brant walking in there, you know, like with all these demands and everything. It was, it was crazy. But he lasted a year. He retired.
0: <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, you are narrowing this down and I'm going to figure it out.
2: <laughs> uh, I think I, I think I, I have I was, an idea. You know, I may, I may know. I may know.
1: He yeah. wasn't for long.
2: Yeah, I may know.
1: He uh, never saw the NHL either.
0: Yeah, well, Anthony and I are going to have to have a, a nice little talk on the. Uh, <laughs> tell y'all fair. I'll of, be happy to actually, tell you.
1: Yeah, There's yeah, a couple yeah. other things he did. That I just couldn't believe, but he was yeah. a he was. I liked the kid. I just he was. just I couldn't believe what he was saying. It was literally coming out of his mouth.
2: <laughs> um, we we talked about sticks. We talked about skates. Were there ever any other in your time? um weird or crazy equipment things that need to be done whether it would be gloves or shoulder pads or or something with pants like goofy pants or anything like that i mean guys are finicky i mean they're just yeah. finicky and i just you know i know i'm just like i remember knuble talking about his pants were always kind of a, like they were different right they yeah. were they were a little heavier or something
1: his were he had extra padding He had yeah because he was always in front of the net right he, you know he would get hit a lot um i was going to say like the most <clears throat> Some guys' pants are custom, with extra padding. Uh, like TK's, always had his shortened. He's not the tallest guy, um, so his his uh, he wears a cover. He wears a, like Cooper like Cooperalls, but then a a, sh- uh, a pullover over, over top. But I always had to have those shortened like by two inches to make them fit. Um, that's usually the most thing. The guys, if if it's their pants, they're usually I'm just adding padding to it um, if they already don't have it. And same with shoulder pads. No one wore like a special set, but a lot of guys have things in other areas that you know you add, and then you add it to their practice uh, gear as well, so it feels the same, you know, as it does when they go to the game ring and have to play in.
0: I I want to ask you this, and I don't I don't know the best way to do it, so let's let's just. There have been questions about the general affect of Nolan Patrick, and we don't we. Anthony and I, and I think the media, I think we see a kid who has probably been PR trained for most of his life with the expectation that he was going to be a top pick and right. that he was supposed to be, and and we see that in all kinds of sports. So it's not like he's an outlier here, but when people compare him to like, let's say Oscar Lindblom, who, you know, wasn't drafted as highly and who many people had talked about, you know, being this really lovable guy, always smiling, always kind of. You see the two, and then people start to speculate that that means that one guy is really liked in the locker room or not, or people are high on him in the organization, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. From, from your experience, like, is the, the question, is the criticism of the way that Nolan Patrick kind of goes about dealing with media and such, like, is, is that a fair image he, of the kid, or is he, is he really different?
1: He's, he's different. You know, he kind of grew up in hockey. So like you said, he's kind of been coached that way. And the fact that, like you said, he was going to, you know, he was rated the number one player to be drafted first for how many years since he was 15 or something. Um, he's a great kid. Yes. He is a little different in front of the cameras. It's kind of like I kind of compare it to hack because that man was just unbelievable. Like I, I love Dave Hackstall and, you know, people were like, oh, he's too stoic by it. like, he doesn't say anything. Well, he said plenty, trust me, he just didn't do it out there. But Nolan is like, especially these days with everything that's going on, he's got to be very careful about what he says about any of what's going on. Uh, but yeah, like, he is kind of a quiet kid anyway. But he's not that quiet. Like, you know, he'd come to my office every day, we, We'd, you know, talk for a few minutes. So he's great, happy guy. But yeah, he is a little different with the media. You're right. I agree with you.
2: Now, I'm going to ask you this, Derek, because I, I know we're going to wrap we're wrapping this up here in a couple of minutes, but it, I, you, obviously you're close with hundreds of players who've come through here. I mean, you've known you, – you're in contact with them still today. But is there anybody that you sit there and say, you know what, this guy is like – we became such close, close friends – like we could, I could call him up tomorrow. We can go sit out on the deck and have some beers and whatever, or whatever the case might be. Is there a guy that really became a good friend of yours that, you know, came through the organization?
1: Um, Yeah, there's, there's been a few. Um lucky to have been around so many great guys. Mike Richards is a really good friend of mine. Uh, Riley Cote, I was the best man at his wedding. Um, we're obviously really, really close to this day. Um, you know, the guys that live around here, it's awesome. Like Kimo and, and Scott Hartnell, it's great. They're here. Like get to see them a lot. Um, and when guys do come through town, I still, you know, get together. But, yeah, Richie and Riley and, uh, like I said, Kimo and Hartsey are here all the time. So I, I, those guys probably stand out the most.
2: That's awesome. Why don't you tell everybody about what you're doing now?
1: Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> I started – a little company. It's Settelmeyer Skate Sharpening. Um, on all the social media I have, it's there. <laughs> Settelmeyer yeah. Skate Sharpening. Um, yeah. So I just started, I kind of built a little shop in my uh, garage for the time being and, and uh, business has been really good. Actually been very busy, which is awesome. Um, meeting a lot of different people and uh, doing a lot of the Philadelphia Warriors, getting to know those guys. They're a trip, man. Those guys are awesome. Um but, uh, yeah, it, that's what I'm doing, just sharpening skates, doing repairs to equipment, uh, you know, have a lot of things. It's not a complete, obviously, store, but it's um, I have the things people need, and I order. I've, people started ordering equipment from me and everything, so it's been fun. It's uh, new. It's different. There's a lot more to it than I would have thought, but it's a lot of fun, though. So, if you need your skates done, Ant. Yeah, come by and see me, brother. <laughs> yeah, because you know, because
2: you know how Both much I'm skating, right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I guess, I guess the only question I have about following up on that is that are you hearing from like local, like amateur hockey players for this as well? I mean, it's not just your. Obviously, you've got great connections still with the pro, with the pro game, but mm-hmm. I'm sure you're hearing from some local people as well. So oh, if, yeah, if we have people who who play hockey who listen to our show. If yeah. they want to get their stuff done, they can oh, actually yeah. go through you.
1: Hundred percent. I uh, I'm doing. Kids from, you know, three years old, I've got pros that are playing overseas that are from the area, um, you know, men's league guys, you know, kids growing up around here playing. It's uh, it's really picked up the last three weeks. I mean, I've been, like, really busy. I'm like, what's going on here, man? <laughs> like, yeah. this is wild. But it's, it's great, though. It's really good. But, yeah, anyone, anyone that needs it. Figure skates. I've had, like, four or five figure skaters come to me uh, through Slava um with the fly who works with a flyer sleep skating coach Uh um and just don't yeah anyone anyone who wants to come it's great just send me a message book appointment that's all
2: that's awesome that's awesome well derek we really do appreciate you uh taking the the time this afternoon uh, to come on the program and uh all the best to you and hopefully we'll catch up with you again down the road
1: thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it guys